You're listening to Time Machine Baseball from Baltimore Ons. This is Alan Smith. This is uh, Scientific Sam Dingman. Let's get stupid? <laughs> Something like that. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Welcome back to the Time Machine. We are jumping back in the machine. Um, last week, we, I um, for many of you, uh, 24 hours ago, we uh, jumped <laughs> wait, to wait, the wait. time machine. I just, I just have to tell you guys before we start, I just watched Alan basically throw a cat. <laughs> Anyone watching along at home will see that happen seven to nine more times in the next 10 minutes. Not in an um, abusive way, I want to be clear. But Alan's cat... No, just, just trying to remove this uh, insisted gentleman from my lap as he attempts to once again knock over my coffee and disrupt my um, recording <laughs> setup here. Um, and I lobbed him gently onto a bed. Everyone calm down. Yes. Down your phones. Yes. No, I um, didn't I didn't mean to make it sound like anything untoward was happening. But I will say that Alan attempted... Oh, he just did it again. <laughs> Alan attempting to heave a limp cat is a lot like Rocky Coppinger trying to throw a breaking ball. Okay. <laughs> Relevant, of course, because last week we watched the first two innings of a uh, 1996 broadcast uh, with the Baltimore Orioles were playing the Oakland Athletics, um, soon to be a relic of history themselves. Uh, and <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, so we're going to jump back in the time machine with you all in just a few short minutes and, and watch a couple more innings um, and maybe hopefully give you a little more time to uh, hear the sounds and and if not the sights of the game, but of course you can be watching along yourselves. So if you have dialed up the YouTube um, link that Sam and I are using, we're going to be starting in at thirty nine thirty three uh, time code today. Now we were looking at that time code, Sam. We 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 realized, of course, that you pause on a screen, which is advertising as often happens on a baseball game, tickets to an upcoming game. But what struck us about this particular advertisement in 1996 was that there were three different numbers to call for your Chicago White Sox coming to town. And those numbers were different for Baltimore, Washington, and Virginia. That's right. It's I think 410-481-SEAT, 202-432-SEAT, or 703-573-SEAT. The only reason... The only reason for that to exist, Sam, and not be a single 1-800 number or even just a single 202 number would be for long-distance dialing, correct? I That is the only thing I can imagine uh, is that uh, they had to have these numbers up because, of course, folks were calling from landlines. And, and landlines that were going to be dinged for long-distance codes if you called a state away. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, it, it's also fascinating to think about the idea that... Um, this was still a time when if you wanted tickets to a game, you, of course, called Camden Yards and said, hello, I would like tickets to an upcoming game. <laughs> like, Orioles.com probably doesn't exist in 1996. Almost certainly doesn't exist. Um, I assume that the scalper market was uh, still there, although much, uh, much only accessible in person. <laughs> yes, I seem to remember the scalper market being uh, a gentleman walking around outside the gates going, who needs tickets? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, if there was ever a market inefficiency for SeatGeek to really um, exploit, it's the Who Needs Tickets guy. Yeah, whatever happened to Who Needs Tickets guy? I'm sure he's still out there. He's probably still there. He's probably still there. Um, one other observation I wanted to uh, share from last week, and then we will start back up again, is if you listened to our last, uh, our first Time Machine episode broadcast, and thank you for doing so, um, well, actually two things. One, as we continue this series, if you guys have memories from the year of the game that we are talking about or the season that we're talking about, please share those with us on Twitter at be morons, of course, is the handle. Um, we'd love to read those, uh, out as we share our own memories going forward. But I was, you know, in, in doing the edit of the last episode, I realized we talked about Rafael Palmero for a full four minutes. 
And that's because Rafael Palmero was in the batter's box for four full minutes. And he didn't foul the ball off 13 times either. No, it was just a regular ass at bat. <laughs> and it, it was just such a reminder of how quickly, even after only one season of new pace of play rules, how quickly we have forgotten how much of a Dostoevsky novel a major league at bat used to be. <laughs> yeah, and... I was also, of. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about Time Machine Baseball is like watching this game did put me at a very different um, mental moment just because it was a reminder that baseball used to be a thing that could be a bit of a background noise more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you didn't necessarily have to be paying rapt attention for all four minutes yeah. of that at bat. Right. There's right. going to be some foffing around. There's going to be some downtime. And yes. that's just not true with watching a baseball game now. There were solid 42-second moments when Palmero was stepping out of the box to adjust batting gloves and consider whether he had enough pine tar on the bat or Wasden was, you know, wiping the sweat off his brow with his left hand, then wiping it off his brow with his white hand, then rubbing up the baseball, where, you know, Alan and me could just have a deep hang for 42 seconds, and then eventually the Dostoevsky novel would continue. <laughs> That's, uh, but it, it does bring an interesting reflection to the need for and the value of good company. Indeed. Um, in that moment of baseball your announcer is doing a lot more heavy lifting mm -hmm, mm -hmm. over the course of nine innings. Yeah. In our current version of baseball, it feels a little bit more like, especially on radio, your your announcers are kind of white-knuckling it. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're like, they can barely we're keep back. Up. We've missed the first two pitches. Um, yeah. <laughs> here's what happened. Yeah. Uh, there's already been a home run, and uh, let's get <laughs> into it. And then, whoop, we're right back into the ad read, and we're gone. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and that's another thing, too. We talked a lot in the in the last episode about how much less of an ad footprint there mm. was, both visually, like on the screen, there were no ads, whether like on screen ads from home team sports or physically on the surfaces of the stadium. There were just fewer ads. Um, and now, you know, it's like they'll squeeze in an ad read between pitches um, and then every single incident in the game is brought to you by some entity. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just so much more wall to wall. There's, there's less space for the, the broadcasters to fill in that respect too. Yeah. And the ads, because they had grown to fit these 42 second pauses sometime between 1996 and 2012, uh, 22 um, suddenly now the broadcasters are, both trying to keep up with all those ads and also the pace of play. And like, something's got to give there. Not easy. You may not be able to get all those ad reads in while also trying to describe a game. Good luck to you, Kevin Brown. Good luck to you, Brett Hollander. Good luck to you, Melanie Newman. But for now, we are going to revisit the dulcet tones of Mr. Mel Proctor and Mr. Mike Flanagan. Three. Two, one, go. We've jumped back into 1996 hyperspace. That's and and just in the spirit of what we said, we're just saying. Did you hear Smith? <laughs> Proctor just said you can visit any Ticketmaster location. That's a mm. physical brick and mortar ticket Ticketmaster shop shoppy. <laughs> Which, you know, makes the um, exorbitant Ticketmaster fees make a little more sense if you actually have to, like, have a brick and mortar. Now it's well, just like, well, you're just moving a fucking pixel around. Come on. Sure. They got, they got, uh, they got air conditioning bills to pay. Here's uh, Bautista, who, of course, hit the leadoff home run in this game. Yeah, we are 1-1 we are here at the top of the third inning. Um... Can we talk, Smith, about... This is the first uh, time in, in some time I have watched a game where I have to 
interact with the anatomically correct Oriole Bird logo on the cap for a prolonged period of time, and I am not enjoying it. Mm, no. I do not miss that. It's interesting. Even though I objectively know that the 96 through 98 teams were good in winning games, that logo is so tied to sadness yes. in my mind yes. that I can't quite, like, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, no, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And, um, I mean, it, it, not insignificantly, I don't think, there is something to the fact that the cartoon bird is smiling. <laughs> Whereas the anatomically correct bird conveys such a strong note of this is just what's happening. <laughs> it's so it's so simple. It's so simple. We do we do still need mascots in our sport. By you the way, I really uh, enjoy. Um, oh, yeah. tell me the the Cal Ripken experience. I really like. He just uh, failed to prevent a double in the game that we're watching, um, and he just always would like look at the ball in his glove. Right, um, right. Why you got to do me like that, like, ball? <laughs> deeply betrayed him. <laughs> so he's like, come on, come on, man. I, I was in the right place. Where were you? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Alan is referring to uh, Scott Brogius just um, smacked a double off the right field wall, and Ripken tried to slap a tag on him before he slid into second base a little bit too late. Another interesting little thing about that, Smith, um, just in the vein of... You know, we talked a lot about steroids in the last episode, which is necessary when you're watching a game from 1996. And they pointed out um, on a Chiron that Brogius this year, coming into this game in 1996, is hitting 338 uh, when his career average to that point was 247. <laughs> yeah. That wow. is a 100-point swing just about. Huh. Love to see those... 100-point batting average swings of the late 90s from season to season. Coppinger uh, now having a mound visit with Hoyles. Um, boy, look at Davey Johnson just chilling in the dugout. and relaxing. Just leaning back, one, one knee up. Wait, I mean, Not anywhere close to the bar or the first step. <laughs> you know, it's, that's actually a really interesting thing is I... I may be just saying this because they just showed us that shot, but I can't remember the last time I saw a shot of a dugout in a major league game where the manager was sitting down. Yeah, it's just not done. It feels like this time, these days, the manager is always standing up. You know, I really enjoyed this 2023 Baltimore Orioles season. I enjoyed the sprinklers. I enjoyed this team celebrations. I enjoyed how sort of plugged in everyone was to the game. And I was interested to see that many other teams had things like that. You know, everyone has yeah. a home run chain. Yeah. Everyone has a ridiculous thing that you get after you do something good. Everyone is sort of plugged in and on the top step and watching everything very closely. Um, and that seems very different from this game. Like I'm looking over, you know, behind the batter right now, and there's every single A's player is sitting. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They're all arms crossed, leaning they're back. They're all sort of just leaning back and watching. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting to think like that swing. I've just taken it for granted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't noticed that that shift being quite so dramatic. Yeah, that is one of the things that is really enriching about doing this is you, you are reminded of all the little imperceptible changes that have happened over the years that over time make the fabric of the experience very different. Now, now we're getting a shot of the inside of the A's dugout, and it's just confirming what you said, Alan. It's a shot of the entire bench, every single player, is sitting down, arms crossed, legs crossed, backs against the back of the dugout. I guess there is no rail. There so there's a certain amount that, like, you don't... Where would you stand? True. <laughs> but I think there's also an element of what we were talking about in terms of pace of play at the beginning of this episode. Is <laughs> There's just more of a baked-in sense of, like, we're going to be here for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is no rush. This now, is just a... Hang out, relaxing game. 
Something has just happened here, Smith, that I think we need to talk about, which is Geronimo Barroa just ripped a single to left field, which was fielded by a gentleman wearing the jersey number 30 and uh, featuring the last name on the back of the jersey, Bowers. Now, as God is my witness, I have no memory of who that is. <laughs> who is Bowers? <laughs> Bowers? I'm going over to... Um, all right. Uh, while we while we try to figure this out, Smith, um, yep. I've gone to uh, if see if you can remember. I've gone to baseballreference.com, and I just put in Bowers as a last name. Uh, and here are the search options. And here are the results options that Baseball Reference has given me: Cedric Bowers, Brent Bowers, Shane Bowers, Billy Bowers, Julie Bowers, Stu Bowers. And Lefty Bowers. Any guesses as to which Bowers? Um, Brent did a little tingle in my brain. Really? I don't know if that's accurate, but well, that's what... <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you that you're right because it's literally the only option that it can be. Uh, because all the other players, their only active years were not 1996. <laughs> And sure enough, Smith, Mr. With the technicality. Mr. Brent Bowers appeared mm. in 21 games with your Baltimore Orioles in 1996. Oh, this is a collector's item. His only major league season, and he hit Smith 308 in those 21 games. Wow. 12 hits in 39 at bats, most of them singles. <laughs> 12 hits in 39 at bats. Okay, so. Small sample size. Speaking of hits, the Orioles have just fallen behind three to one on a single Matt off the bat. Stairs, of Matthew who I would Stairs. say was in many ways the breakout star of Time Machine Baseball episode one. I I was reminded that Matt Stairs is my favorite baseball player of all time. I would say in our in our last episode, it's just speaking of relics from time times gone by. You know, Matt Stairs walked... I know I used this joke formulation last time, but I'm going to do it again. Matt Stairs walked so that Brandon Marsh could run. When we talk about hair game, Matt Stairs looks like a roadie for Steely Dan. (laughs) He really does. is awesome looking. He's so stocky, but he's so muscular. Uh... He's got the he's got the mullet happening, and looks a little coked up. Just just a fantastic experience watching this man play baseball. Um, that's a very strange shot in the dugout there, as McGuire was just sniffing something. Um, <laughs> Again, remember but, he's suffering from the shakes. <laughs> yeah, sure. He's in withdrawal. I, I am interested also in the ways in which. The like we've seen not that many graphics yeah. over the course of the first three innings, mm-hmm. and I believe that four or five of the Oakland A batters had the career best. Yeah, as a part of their 1996 season. Yep, mm-hmm. and we're only in August. Yep, so <laughs> that's not that's something to to monitor. Uh, and I just can't believe I, hindsight is twenty twenty. Of course, of course, of course. But I can't believe we didn't notice that. Like, how is it that everybody on this team is having a hundred batting average point increase, a ten home run jump? Yeah. Like, no, I'm what, so. What were we thinking? <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up, Smith, because. Uh, I noticed that too. In, in, in the, I think we're both talking about Terry Steinbach, the Oakland catcher, who was a very serviceable catcher for 14 years. But they did have a Chiron up there saying, "Like, wow, he's having a remarkably good year this year." <laughs> yeah, which is I think the third or fourth time that's happened. Yeah, and I went over uh, again to Baseball Reference just to check, and sure enough, uh, Terry Steinbach's final batting line in 1996. 272 batting average, 342 on base percentage, 529 slugging percentage, 35 home runs, and 100 RBI. That is fully 20 more home runs than he hit in any other season. I'm going to say that again. 20 more home runs. 
Here's your boy Brent uh, leading off the top of the inning here for the Orioles. Ooh, Let's maybe get we'll a good get look see, at him. Maybe we'll get to see one of his 12 hits. We will never see him again. <laughs> this is true. Uh, He's Brent not Bowers, ringing any bells uh, visually, I'll say that. No, none. None. Um, pity he what didn't, a stance. Uh, Pity he didn't make the, the decision that so many others did to juice. Maybe he would have stuck around a little longer. Um, he does have one of those classic uh, 1996 swings where it looks like he's hitting from the wrong side. Like, he's hitting from the left side, and when you watch him swing, it looks like he's actually right-handed, but has some for some reason decided to bat left-handed. <laughs> made, made a bad choice. Like the, you get, the, getting a little Nolan Reimold vibes off Brent. A bit of a Rymold vibe. I could see a bit of a Rymold vibe. He also, also has... Also, Sam, could you put the audio of your live game up slightly? Yes. It's yes. very quiet in my... Uh, Let me see. I can't, I can't hear anything that Mel has to say. How's that? Did that make it louder? A little bit. Oh, wait. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. There we go. Um, another thing about Bowers, I have to say, I know we talked about this a little bit last time, but I'm noticing it more this time, is how many of the Orioles, when they get into the box, are bent forward to an extreme degree at the waist. Like their, their chin is literally out yeah. over home plate. And I don't know if that was a team strategy or if that was just something that was more well-known or more frequently done at the time by a lot of baseball players. But it certainly, I would think, has the tendency to make the strike zone smaller. Yeah. Ooh. I you Brent's working some counts. The rare throwing error from Mike Bordick. Bowers does run well. <laughs> she sure better. he does. Sure he does. You know what's crazy? Uh, as they show close-ups of uh, various people who were involved in these plays, that was not a good throw from Bordick. I love you, Mike Bordick. Should I text Mike Bordick right now and tell him that we're watching this? I do have Mike Bordick's cell phone number. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, as we as we repeatedly mentioned Mike Bordick, we get a long shot of Cal Ripken in the dugout, looking <laughs> confused. Um, so, as we're watching this, the other thing that I'm noticing is, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to describe this well, it's very interesting to me the number of guys who, under their jersey, are just wearing a regular t-shirt huh do you know what i mean like they're just wearing a regular old billowy sleeved t-shirt that is probably the same t-shirt they put on that that day when they woke up like in some of them you can even see the champ the champion logo on the left sleeve like this isn't an official orioles issue t-shirt this isn't an under armor sweat wicking t-shirt designed for professional athletes to optimize performance. It's just an undershirt that a guy would wear. And yeah. he's wearing it under his jersey. <laughs> or like Alomar here. Alomar here is wearing like a long sleeves. Actually, weird choice for late August in Baltimore. He's wearing like an actual sweatshirt under his jersey. I wonder what that's about. Huh. Maybe he's trying to hide steroids track marks in his arms i don't know <laughs> i also am interested when when because of this stance that all the orioles are taking alomar being one of the more extreme like lean over stances the the swings are just looking less fluid to, or not even less fluid less whole body to me yes it doesn't I look agree. like the guys are sort of like turning on the pitch with their whole body in the way that i'm used to seeing now yeah, it's more of a it's more of a bat head flicking approach than the like Steve Piercean torque <laughs> yeah. that, that we have come to come to expect in the modern game. 
And yes, yeah, I did of, just make a um, modern game reference by using Steve Pierce as an example, even though he has been out of the league for several years. <laughs> Speaking of the modern game, congratulations to uh, Adley Rutschman and um, Gunnar Henderson, your silver sluggers. Ah, did they get those Sylvie slugs? I think they did. Hey, we like to see that. We like to see that. I'm confused. Did he just bunt out? Uh, you may be a moment ahead of me, Smith. I'm still, I'm still watching Alomar swing his arms in a languid way, awaiting the Wazden offering. Now this is captivating to listen to. We are in different places on a YouTube video. <laughs> Maybe a little more audio through uh, through the headphones. Oh, I think he uh, he he tried to bunt with two strikes and hit a foul ball. Uh, yeah, he bunted out. Which goes as a strikeout. Yeah. I I was really thrilled last time, by the way, Smith, as Brady Anderson stands in here and for his second at bat to be reminded of the absurdity of the fact that um, this was the year that Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs. Like, talk about a major swing. Terry Steinbach hit 20 more home runs this season than he had hit in any previous season. That's child's play. Brady Anderson hit 26 more home runs this season than he had hit in any previous season. I'll tell you what, man. We're just letting our boy Bowers out to dry here. You know, he got on base. He did his job. Such a common tale uh, of the Orioles of this era. Brett Bowers setting the table. (laughs) <laughs> and the rest of the lineup unable to come through. The dominant narrative of the mid to late 90s Orioles. Justice for Brett Bowers. <laughs> By the way, I know it was almost certainly artificially inflated, but... Uh, very 2023 stat line in 1996 for Brady Anderson. Very it, mm. Acuna-esque. 297, 396, 637, triple slash, 50 dingers, 21 stolen bases. And yeah. 110 RBI, Smith. Gosh. And yet we suspected nothing. We, we suspected nothing and... Here's the thing that, that I love about this era. So, 297, 396, 637, 50 home runs, 110 RBI, 21 stolen bases. Monster stat line in most, in most seasons. Like, untouchably excellent, right? Oh, my goodness. Palmero goes oppo boppo. Tying the game. Number 31 on the season for Rafi. My goodness. Do you see him just flick that over the left field fence? Uh, to your point earlier, Smith, about, about the types of swings we're watching no, these guys Sam, take. No, check the, check the Jumbotron graphics. <laughs> the Orioles Express. The Orioles Express. The, the highly pixelated Orioles Express. Look at him. Look at him just like, eh, boop. He just dropped the barrel of the bat on a tailing breaking ball and doinked it over the 333 sign in left field. My goodness. I'd love to feel like that was all about technique and not about artificially inflated strength. (laughs) I'd love to feel... I mean, it is about approach, certainly. A real long look at the Rafael Palmero... um, Expanding forehead situation. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. So, so this is what I wanted to say. Speaking of uh, possibly artificially uh, generated home run, Smith. You look at this video game ass stat line from Brady Anderson in 1996. Right. Where do you think he finished in the MVP voting that year? I can't, I can't imagine he's top ten. 
just barely. He is ninth behind more video game ass stat lines. Just to give you an example of some of them, would you like to know uh, Alex Rodriguez's stat line in 1996? He hit 358 with an on-base percentage of 414, a slugging percentage of 631, 36 home runs, 103 driven in. Guess who also was not the MVP that year? <laughs> wow. Alex Rodriguez. That is such a, like, yeah. Mo Vaughn that year, Smith. Mo Vaughn. This is, this is like, actually depressing. Mo Vaughn. <laughs> In 1996, hit 326. Wow. On brace percentage of 420. Slugging percentage of 583. 44 home runs. 143 driven in. 207 hits. I'm going to say that wow. again. Nobody gets 200 hits anymore. He got 207 of them. Fifth on the MVP ballot. Fifth. Yeah, that's a that's a, a runaway MVP now. <laughs> That is out of control. Oh, <laughs> right, gentlemen. And now the Orioles have gone back to back. Ah, oh, ringing my Albert Bell. <laughs> you know, the other thing that is actually interesting in light of all this steroid talk is you look at Bobby Bonilla, who um, was you know, a, 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 always a very ripped dude, very jacked physically. Bonilla actually, you know, I know we don't think of Bobby Bonilla all that fondly these days. Bonilla is 33 during this season and would have a perfectly good year. Uh, 287, 363, 491, 28 home runs. But he was definitively on the downslope of his career. Yeah at this point. It does not seem from a numbers standpoint like, you know, he was he was juicing. Um, just kind of responsibly move, making his way through his, his career and relying on his raw talent and million dollar smile. Little did he know Whoa! that he would still be getting paid $1.19 million every year. <laughs> Even here in 2023. The chin music to Ripken there, Smith. Did you see that? Yeah. Wasden just threw one that literally just missed Ripken's chin after Is the back-to-back -back home runs. Oh, we warned both dugouts, too. He's upset wow. about the home runs? Yeah, I guess so. Do we see that as much anymore? Am I, am I being reductive in my historical perception here? Or revisionist. I feel like guys don't get thrown at as much after home runs as they used to. Not after home runs, because we've now decided that like bat flips and who's he what's it's and yeah, I uh, guess that's true. General. I mean, like you get six bat flips a day that would have emptied the dugouts in previous <laughs> yeah situations. And Ripken with a gapper after the chin music. Ooh, don't make don't make Cal mad. Do not make Cal mad. So as we uh, begin to consider whether or not this pitcher will stay in the game, um, and boy, it's a slow state of play. Uh, <laughs> I will just take a second um, to travel back in time and, and think. Looks like he is going to stay in the game. Um, travel back in time and, and think about 1996 again because mm. I was in between episodes 1 and 2 of Time Machine Baseball doing a little bit more poking around about mm -hmm. kind of what was happening in the geopolitical world at this period of time and it's sort of shocking to me how much it has made me feel like we've been talking a lot about the differences in how the game of baseball has been played and I am interested like the game looks different, but it still acts for me as a similar um, salve 
I guess. Mm. A a similar um, distraction from the world of current events and politics and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, horrifying, horrifying human cruelty. Yeah. And as I'm looking back through what was happening in 1996, I'm seeing the first Chechenian war. Um, oh my God. I'm seeing uh, a moment in which the PLO and uh, is- Israeli governments were for the first time in a long time starting to come to the table a little bit um, Ugh, that's and they were both sort of officially dropping the line in their charter that called for the complete um, annihilation of the other side um, but you know Netanyahu won his first victory in the Israeli general election in May 30th of this year um, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and at that point, he was considered something wow. of, a, of a, um, you know, reasonable guy. <laughs> wow. Uh, maybe even a reformer. Now, of course, he's not those things. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting to see, like, these are the same kind of moments in human history lapping back around again and again and again (laughs) yeah that is so sobering that that really stops me in my tracks yeah to hear um first chechenian war because ceasefire the netanyahu thing like we're talking about this game is almost 30 years old that we're watching and yeah. this guy has been, and that, that's, that's right back when like guys like Netanyahu and probably Vladimir Putin, we could look it up, were first emerging onto the international stage. And yeah. somewhat and poetically, Smith, as you were talking about that, um, Surhoff just hit an RBI double, and it's like we we didn't even get to like enjoy the thrill of Surhoff hitting the double because we were coming to terms with like <laughs> the world that baseball helps us avoid. Yeah. Yeltsin is sworn in in his second term. I see. So not quite to, uh, although he's, he's, cer- he's certainly on the scene at that point. Oh, I'm sorry. That was an inside the park home run from BJ Surhoff. <laughs> God damn it. Netanyahu. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop and appreciate that for a second. Wow. I now feel self-conscious that I uh, made it sound like Netanyahu has made my life at all difficult, uh, when he obviously <laughs> has caused other people far more pain. But um, Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that it, it is interesting to consider how much of a time machine we're in and yet how much things are very, very similar. It, um, we just lived the message of every single science fiction story about time travel, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. We just lived it. We can't escape it. Um, we just the Taliban our... captured the city of Kabul. Oh, my um, God. In September 27th of this year. That's eerie. That is eerie. It's crazy. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> so Tupac back, was shot. Back in 1996, we were still living in an, an international political environment influenced by the Taliban, influenced by Netanyahu. Focused on the Israeli-Palestinian crisis. <laughs> yes. And meanwhile, Brett Bowers... Playing his trade. Did Brett Bowers ever have a chance? (laughs) In this context, you know what I mean? That's true. Like the The part I enjoy the most about that inside the park home run is that the two outfielders basically like collide and kind of hug in an amazing way. (laughs) They like they both think the ball is gone, so they don't the reason why he was able to hit an inside the parker is because they both sort of thought I don't know what they thought actually yeah 
It's unclear. Oh, maybe they thought it was a ground rule double. Mm -hmm. It bounced up and out. But the ball was still in play. Here's an interesting Chiron for us, Smith. Uh, as Chris Hoyles steps in, they're saying this is his 100th start of the year at catcher. Uh, mm. And it is, it is interesting to think about how many games did Adley Rutschman start at catcher this year? It's got to be at least 100. I don't know. We got a lot of work from the weasel this year. That's true. I guess we did. I guess we did. It, it's just interesting to think about uh, how differently we used to think about the catcher's role in the... Whoop! Proctor biffed that call. <laughs> he was just... Proctor just really wanted to see a third home run this inning. That was very obviously a foul ball. And, and Proctor went into full sea shanty mode. <laughs> Thinking back on his years in the Navy, perhaps. Was Mel Proctor in the Navy? What, um, what time stamp that, are you at there on your, uh, your, your watch there, Damon? I am at uh, 1-11-42. Oh, boy. Where are you? Uh, well, now I'm at 111.46, but I was uh, behind. Well, I got stuck in some sort of BJ t Surhoff time loop, even <laughs> as I was going through the 1996 time loop. <laughs> a Surhoffian, a Surhoffian uh, spin. I'm just looking at Mel Proctor's Wikipedia page. No military record that I can see. So let's put that creation to bed. Um, he is still alive, though. Hmm. Alan! Alan, I, I need to share this with you. This is actually, fuck Netanyahu. <laughs> I mean, just generally, but in the context of this conversation, fuck Netanyahu. Fuck the Taliban, also generally, but in the context of this conversation. The most important thing that we have talked about today is what I'm about to tell you. Oh, boy. What do you think Mel Proctor's... Oh, did Hoyles just go deep? Wow, Proctor just shredding the vocal cords on that call. <laughs> Proctor going to have to see a doctor after that call. Got excited. Man. Chris Hoyles. Hoyles into the splash zone. With the uh, grand salami. Eight to three Orioles now in the third. I do have to say. Now, you know what? If you look at that swing, that Hoyles swing, uh -huh, that uh -huh. actually looked more like a modern swing to me. Yeah. It was sort of like an uppercut, like deep swing. Yep. Just gave it a ride. Absolutely. Well, Hoyles, looking back at his statistics, Hoyles is the kind of hitter who, if he was playing today, would be a $20 million a year guy. Mm. He walked a lot. He had super high on base percentages, hit for good average, obviously He's could hit for power. Catcher. And he was a catcher. Like, Hoyles was a, you know, Sean Murphy Adley Rutschman type, JT Real Muto type, when that was not a popular thing. Although I guess this was the Yvonne Rodriguez era. Pudge. But Smith, none of this matters. I'm so sorry. None of this matters because I need you... Oh! Base hit for Brett Bowers. <laughs> Two hits in this inning. Bowers, by the way, also doing the distinctly 1996 thing of wearing his on-field cap under his batting helmet. Ah. Do you know why that is, Smith? Do you know why I think that is? I think that's because baseball players didn't used to have personalized batting helmets. They just had a few batting helmets. And you had to wear one that was roughly your size. And if all of them were too big, you had to leave your hat on. <laughs> Love that. Brett Bowers? Bowers is not getting his own batting helmet. Let's be real. No, no. This is, this, the cup of coffee does not extend this far. They're not earmarking a batting helmet for Brett Bowers. But again, Smith, none of this matters. <laughs> what do you think Mel Proctor's given name is? What do you think Ooh. Mel is short for? 
And I'm just going to tell you, you're never going to guess. <laughs> so my initial Melvin, obviously not. Oh, it's not Melvin. That would be um, far too easy. Um, when Mel Proctor was born in 1946 in Lakewood, Colorado, what name? Christened. Do you think his parents gave him? Um, Maleficent. It is not Maleficent, and it's so much better. Somehow it's better than Maleficent. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It is Melbourne. Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne Proctor. Proctor. Like the city in Australia, Smith. Melbourne wow. John Proctor is calling this baseball game. I, w- I, w- I would love to know the family history behind that. Melbourne John Proctor. That would be like if Mike Flanagan's full first name was... Michigan? Yeah, or like Michelangelo or something. <laughs> no, it's better than that because Michael- Mike is actually short for... Uh, like Michelangelo... It would be like if Mike's first... I- I'm going to get there. I'm going to pursue this bit. <laughs> It would be like if Mike Flanagan's real first name was Microphone. Oh, there you go. You know, we're giving Mel a lot of stick for this, but I know a lot of Sydneys. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I feel like the city in Australia was named after people named Sydney. <laughs> you think? This yeah, is a real uh, I'm gonna, snake eating its own tail sort of situation. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> All Melbourne right. Flanagan. Melbourne Proctor. Melbourne Proctor. And microphone Flanagan. <laughs> oh, microphone Flanagan. There's... God, this is a long inning, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing uh, about this inning, which, again, is the length of War and Peace. Um <laughs> Is that Dostoevsky or Tolstoy? Important question. Tolstoy. Tolstoy. Okay. Um, This is a sold-out night at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Every seat is filled. It is late, late August, and the Orioles are, you know, in the heat of a playoff chase. But I think it's important to remember, Smith, that this was the era when you actually could not get a seat to a home game at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. Gotta, gotta go to a brick-and-mortar Ticketmaster building. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. And there's going to be a line around the block, my friend. You better bring yeah. a tent. You're going to be sleeping on the sidewalk trying to get tickets to this O's A's tilt. The Orioles I mean, used they to... were two exciting teams, for sure. They were two exciting teams, but the Orioles also used to routinely sell three million tickets a year and lead the league in attendance. For years running, this happened. I'm I'm um, I'm loath to do it. We're having such a nice time, but that does suggest we sort of need to critique slightly the John Angelos theory. That uh... <laughs> <laughs> how am I how am I less excited to talk about John Angelos than Benjamin Netanyahu? <laughs> I think my priorities are off. I think that's the lesson. But, I, you know, I, I think that uh, that's a good point. And Baltimore is a baseball town at some point. And I wonder whether or not this whole, like, we're a small market team, we can never possibly hope to extend both Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson at the same time, right. let alone enter the top-tier pitcher market during the offseason. Uh you got to look at it a little bit askance yeah. at best. Yeah. Well, so this is, I mean, this is interesting to talk about, right? Um, so this is, as we said, about 30 years ago. So John Angelos was, I think he's in his 60s now, so he would have been in his 30s. Um, yeah. Peter would have been more definitively running the team. Oh, 100%. Let's see if we can figure out what the Orioles' payroll in 1996 was. That feels like a Googleable thing. Yeah, let's see. Baltimore. Orioles. 1996. Payroll. 
off the top of my head. I think that when I navigate away from YouTube, it's pausing my my feed. Ah, uh, that's okay, why okay, I'm okay. falling relentlessly behind. Well, let's see here. I have found a page that would seem to offer some answers. Okay, here we go, Smith. Your highest paid player is Cal Ripken Jr., playing at a salary of a little more than $6.5 million. Palmero making $5.4 million. Bonilla, just above $5 million. Alomar, just above $4 million. Musina, an even $4 million. Brady Anderson, $3.6 million. Chris Hoyles, $3.3 million. David Wells, drink if you remembered that David Wells was on the 1996 <laughs> Orioles. Booma. Scott Erickson. At $3.2 million. Scotty Erickson. The berserker, Kent Merker, $2.8 million. <laughs> um, that's really nuts. That is that is really really nuts. I mean, um, this is not significantly lower than the current Baltimore Orioles um, payroll. Yeah, well, that's what I was just thinking. Like, if we, I mean, granted, little, the Baltimore Orioles payroll is what thirty million this year. Yeah, let's do a little math here. Uh, six point six. Yeah, the highest paid player on this year. Austin Hayes. I'm not sure about this. Oh, I guess we're still paying Chris Davis and Alex Cobb a combined 15 million, so. Oh, that's good to know. <laughs> well, at least we stole the weasel from the Mets and they're still paying his salary. At least that. That's a cold comfort. <laughs> but yeah, Smith, I mean, it is kind of astonishing that this in 96... In real dollars, in, in buying power, in equivalent dollars, I think the, the 2023 Orioles is a smaller payroll... I think you're right. Um, ...than the 1996 Orioles. I think you're right. I, I just did some quick math and... Uh, if you just add up the salaries of the players making over a million dollars that we just ran down, you're at 40 million pretty quickly. So that means that, like, in a meaningful way, the amount of money the Orioles were spending more money if you adjust for inflation, right? The Orioles were yeah. spending more money on this in, 96 team than they, they did on the In 1996, the one dollar has the same purchasing power as $1.92 today. Jesus. So you've got two different versions of inflation here, right? One is just sort of like the inflation that comes with salaries going up. So now you have $300 million uh, salaries out there. Yep. But you've also got to multiply all of these by two mm -hmm. just in terms of what they would be in current dollars. Right. So that's actually $80 million for that list of players we just ran down. Yeah in today's money whereas the Orioles 2023 payroll was nowhere close to 80 million dollars that's insane yeah that is it's insane. insane and and it suggests to me that the I mean I for damn sure I don't know the exact numbers behind this but for damn sure the Orioles were getting less from this HTS telecast than they would from an equivalent mass and home game. Oh, absolutely. For damn sure, absolutely. all of the advertising that we were just talking about behind the home plate, behind this, that, and the other, yep. that is now available, was not available then. Yeah. So you can absolutely guarantee that in equivalent dollars, the Orioles are making a lot more, a lot more as a franchise in 2024 than they were in, in 1996. Yeah. And yet, we hear from Mr. Angelos that we are crying poverty. Yeah, and I can't help noticing, you know, I mean, this does go back to the attendance conversation. It was probably a lot easier to make big investments in the roster when you knew that you were going to sell 3 million tickets every summer. 
Yeah, but th that's also a circular conversation because you you if you're if you're good, if you're winning a, if you're in competition to win a hundred games every year, you're going to sell three million tickets. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Goofballs like us are going to get in the car and drive down from Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I also just looked. I went back to the 1991 team, the last year at Memorial Stadium. And yeah, definitely juiced up attendance for the Orioles when they moved to Camden Yards. But even in 91, the last year at Memorial Stadium, when the team was, that was a sixth place team that only won 67 games, still drew 2.5 million. Mm. Uh, fifth in the league in attendance, so top half. Although this is Nutsmith. I'm just looking through. In 92, the Orioles draw 3.5 million. They are second in the league in attendance. 93, 3.6 million, second in the league. 94, second in the league again. That's a shortened season, but they still draw 2.5 million. And then from 95 until... 99. They are first in the league. They don't drop below second until 2001. And they don't drop under 3 million a year until 2002. So that means for a full 10 years running, they were selling 3 million tickets per season at home games. That's actually, wow. that's amazing. Yeah. That's that's a decade of three million plus in ticket sales. Hey, welcome back to Baltimore's Camden Yards. Tom Davis here. Wow. Yeah. All right, Sam. I think that this uh, never-ending inning is <laughs> re reaching too deeply into my own um, my own day. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm going to make it to the end. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, well, what do you think we've learned today, Smith? The time is a flat circle that human suffering is inevitable and that uh, fuck John Angelos. Yes. Uh, I think all of those things, <laughs> all of those things are true. I don't think we can, we can deny any of them. Um, but there is, there is one question that, that does linger in my mind. And I would, like to, I would like to ask it to you now. And that question, Smith, is this. What do you call former Orioles prospect Henry Yerudia when he is possibly the most shocking million-plus dollar salary on the roster of the 1996 <laughs> Orioles? <laughs> um... Let's see. And this is not uh, Sir Hoff again, huh? <laughs> I'm not going to go Sir Hoff, and it's not Boomer Wells. Huh. Rudia. Mm. Go. I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna not... push you to think more about Er because the Orioles erred in signing this contract and <laughs> paying this salary. I can't believe you'd shit on Erickson that way. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Scott Erickson. Kent Merudia Urker. <laughs> Merudia Urker. And that not was... Mike Yerudi Devereux. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare speak ill of Mike Devereux, my friend. I would never. I would never. Don't you dare. No, no, no. Um, Kent Merudia Urker. I am irked by the fact that we paid him that much money. Okay, Baltimoreans, this game um, is uh, putting paid to the idea that, that, that baseball did, in fact, make a great move with its pace of play. Uh, <laughs> we've not yet made it all the way through the third inning. Would yep. you like... Oh, no, sorry. 
we're not made it to the bottom half of the fourth inning. We've made it through the third. We're at the top of the fourth. Yes. Should we continue this game? Or should we go back to our dartboard and discover another Orioles moment? Um, let us know. And, and do you uh, and do you have a specific one to recommend? And do you have a specific? Well, it has to be on YouTube. <laughs> I actually think that maybe we don't want specific games because mm. I think what's maybe more interesting is the random snapshot of an era. But I'll That's take true. specific teams. Okay. If you think there's a specific team that we should go back and check in on, um, let us know. Thank you for riding along in the time machine, friends. We'll talk to you next week. And good luck out there in 2023. Oof. Keep your heads down. Which is, as we just learned, also 1996. <laughs> Baltimoreans. <laughs> <laughs>